0: amen and amen and amen isn't god good yeah god's good all right let's get into the word this morning i've got a message for you that's entitled on here calling home uh may better be suited to uh be entitled as a family thing um, either way, we're talking about talking to God, we're talking about God talking to us and that intimate conversation and relationship that we have with one another and as we worshiped and, and as I was just trying to seek the Lord and man, he was speaking, was he not speaking during that worship? He was speaking and he was moving and he was saying stuff inside of me and I hope that you heard him saying stuff inside of you but what he was telling me was is that that's how I want you to come, that's how I want you to talk and you know who he was pointing out to me was Ben. And I know a lot of us, you know, I don't know about you, but Ben makes me uncomfortable sometimes because he's so free and he's so just, man, he'll get, he'll get out there and raise his hands. And I'm like, I don't know about this. But then I'm like, I know about this, you know, I want to be like Ben. Ben, I want to be like you. And you say, what do you mean I want to be? I want to be free. I want to be like Ben. You know, hey, I'm telling you the truth right now. And I know his parents are back there and they're, they're like, you don't see Ben on every day, you know, and I know Ben's a normal young man, and he's got his things too. He's not perfect. He's not Jesus, but he's got this connection with Jesus, and I think a lot of it is, is that his inhibitions aren't really there. His, his worries aren't the same as ours, you know. We think, oh, I wonder what this guy's beside me. I, I, oh, he's lifting his hands. I guess I can, you know, you know and you, you got this thing going on. Love, love love you know but 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 with Ben he's like love yeah baby and I want to be like you Ben because I started thinking about it and this connects with what I'm talking about today and I'll tell you how how you come before God will tell a lot about how you feel about God How you come before God and and how you're willing to act around God will tell you a lot about your relationship to God as a father. You know, the new idea, it's not a new idea. It is relatively new. As we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament, it's not brand new because obviously God is the creator. He's over. He's the authority. But nobody uses the language like Jesus, though, when he starts talking about, when you pray, pray like this, our father. You see, we've got a new relationship. We've got a different relationship, so to speak, to God as God the father father we have a a daddy you know romans chapter 8 would say when you when you come into this relationship you've not been given a spirit of of slavery but a spirit of adoptions as sons by which we cry out abba father and this abba father this abba would be the greek equivalent to a, a, a type of informal intimate name such as papa or daddy And how you approach God and how you speak to God and how you expect God to hear you and God to speak to you will tell me a lot and it will tell everybody else a lot and it should tell you a lot about your relationship with that God. And here's what I mean and here's how it connects and God just took this on me so I thought I'd throw it on you. When I have, when my kids have friends over to the house, okay, they talk to and relate to me differently than my kids do. And those of you who have kids or been around kids, you'll know what I'm talking about. When, when my kids have friends over or when I'm around other friends and I, I help coach little league baseball and have for several years now in basketball. And so I'm around a bunch of kids and my kids are always on the team. The way that they approach me and talk to me is always different because our relationship is different. And this is what I mean. When we're at the house, if Titus or Ezekiel want something... Then they just run up to me and bam, they'll just jump on me. Daddy, 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 we need to, can we go outside and ride motorcycles? Can we go outside and can we do this? Can we do this? And if I say, I don't know, come on, they want it bad. And they expect from me to be good to them and give them. Okay, now we will get into this in a second. It, if it's according to my will, I will. You start hearing this language. The Bible's not as far off as, as we think it is sometimes. But the other kids, they approach me differently, unless they really, really know me. And they're still not the same, but it's better. But most kids approach me differently, especially if they don't know me near as well. They'll come up and do something like this. Sir? Sir? Do you think that maybe, do you think that maybe I could ride a bicycle? If I say, no, not today, they're like, okay. Okay. My kid never does that. My kid never do that. Bam, daddy, please, please, God, let me ride the bicycle. No, please. No, why? Cause, cause why? They're after me because of the relationship that we have together. That's why I'm telling you today, we can entitle this sermon a family thing. Now we're going to get into the tabernacle, we're going to alter incense, but what I want you to see today is is that you have a right to come to God. Now that's some tough language. You have a right, you have the privilege. If you've been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, and you've been born into this family, born again, now we've already talked about all this stuff, and you'll see all this stuff start to take shape and form together. We've come to the, uh, the, the brazen altar where the sacrifice was made. And because of that sacrifice, you've been justified before a righteous and just God. And your sins have been paid for and you have been imparted with righteousness at the wash basin or the bronze laver. And so you're paid for at the altar... Okay, and then you're washed clean at the bronze laver, and you are starting to be transformed. But remember, we said that you are perfected in the heavenlies. Once you're saved, you're always saved, and you have a mansion now in heaven. That you have a new home. You see all this language? It's it's the the the, the doctrine of adoption. And we, we put that up on the board before, is that this, adopt, this, this idea of adoption, now your adoption is not complete yet. In Romans chapter 8 it says that once we are fully realized with Christ and our adoption, our adoption is made complete, then we will be completely free but as it is if you've been born again by the blood of Christ at the atonement on the, on the cross then you have been justified of your sin you have been washed clean of your sin and you have become part of the family through the rebirth of regeneration okay does everybody follow so far we've hit the brazen altar the altar we've hit the brazen laver where you've been paid for you see adoption costs money um, Shanda and Jimmy are here now I think I'm okay to talk about right because everything's yeah good thumbs up See, they've been going through this adoption process now for months. And we've been praying with them. We've been praying for them. And they had this little boy at home, but they couldn't really relate to him exactly like they would their own child because he wasn't quite theirs yet. But now the, the payment has been made in full. The, all the papers have been fi- signed. Everything is, is good. Everything is golden. He is officially a Flynn. Give God a hand on that because we are, a lot of us have been praying. Little Ethan Flynn. Ethan Michael Flynn. Oh, I got it right. Man, And I, my memories are horrible. So Ethan Michael Flynn is officially a Flynn. Now, he, he relates to them differently now. Well, not because he was this you know, old and he had already become part of the family. Now it's legal. But at the end of the day, uh, you have to become part of the family in order to come like that. And so we've been paid for. It's been paid in full. You've come to the bronze laver. You've been washed clean. And now you get to go into the holy place. You see, we're advancing through the tabernacle. You have the right to come into the holy place. Now, as we come into the holy place, we're going to look at a few things in there. We've already looked at the menorah or the golden lampstand, and we talked last week about the golden lampstand, and some thought that the parallel was perfectly clear. Some didn't. Uh, for those of you who thought that it might not have been perfectly clear, the golden lampstand has two. It represents two things. The central stem of the... Uh, lampstand represents Jesus Christ who is the head and the highest and the perfection of those that come through him and he along with the six branches that come out three on each side represent the church Jesus Christ is the head of the church we are the body and together we make the church as we're united with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ united with us makes the church and we are then a light to the world and so the menorah lights up and not just to the world out there but to each other in here and so we light everything up so that we can see the bread of the presence where we go and we feed on and get filled up with Jesus Christ and the altar of incense and the, and the golden lampstand is to be holding oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, and we're to be burning brightly all the time. That's why we're continually, if you ever wonder, why am I always talking about the Holy Spirit? Why am I always asking the Holy Spirit to come? is because we need the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that a lot of churches are really scared of the Holy Spirit, and I'm scared sometimes too because, you know, I might start acting crazy. Well, we need the Holy Spirit in order to have power to burn brightly so that everybody can see, Okay? So we talked about the golden lampstand, which is the church, and it had to be made from pure gold, which is Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice that he made. We talked about the gold, the lump of gold that weighed about 70 to 75 pounds had to be beat out with a hammer, just like Jesus Christ had to be beaten in order to make the church. So we see how Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price and suffered the ultimate suffering, the horrible, excruciating death on the cross in order that you might even become the church. That is why we need to think highly of the church. We need to give our time. We need to give our money. We don't need to just skip random Sundays just to be whatever, you know, just to go do whatever. And it's not just about the Sunday meeting. I talked to somebody about that. People are going to miss a Sunday from time to time. And that's acceptable. That's understandable. But, if you, but what I'm talking about is, is that if you're just disjointed from the family, if you're, if you're not a part of the family, and you know whether you're not or not, whether you are or not. You come in here and you, know, you listen to the sermon and oh, that's cool, that's, that's, that's fun, but are you a part of this family? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go any farther. You know what I'm talking about. Are you a part of the family or are you just coming to check out what they're doing from time to time? This is a legitimate question that you need to ask yourself. And maybe it's, maybe it's just you just had not felt the need to become part of this local family yet. And maybe you're still filling that out. And I pray that whenever God says go, I pray that you go. Because we need for you to put your hand to the plow here. We don't need you to just come and take. And I know this is not an easy message. It's not one, an easy one for me to preach. Okay? But it's what God commands, is that we don't just need you to come here and take, take, take all the time. We need you to come here and give, 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 so that others can have something to take too. Okay, Now that was last week. Today we're talking about the altar of incense, and we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 through 10. Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 through 10. Let me pray before I read the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to come and show us what he's talking about. Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And you have given us the privilege to come before you and even do exactly what I'm doing right now in praying and asking you to move. Lord, asking you to change us in ways that we cannot comprehend. And so what I pray right now is that you would continue to pour out the Holy Spirit in here so that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because without you, we are nothing. God, without you, we have no understanding. Without you, we have no compassion, and we have no movement within us because there is nothing alive in us except for you. And so, God, we pray that you would awaken the Spirit, that you would call to us, that we would move, that we would be motivated, that we would be cleansed by the washing of the water, which is the Word, that we would become more like you every day, that we would be seeking you daily, that we would be filled up full of the Holy Spirit so that we might have a light to shine. Help us, God in this place this morning to understand this word and have it transform our very lives. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's dive in. We need to roll on. We're looking at the altar of incense, Exodus chapter 30, verses one through 10. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it, and you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding, on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat, That is above the testimony where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. So it's going to be burning all day long a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. He shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. When we look at the golden the altar of incense, which is overlaid with this gold. When we look at it, we start to see a few things that jump out about us. And like every other piece of furniture that we've looked at in the tabernacle, this particular piece has way more than I could ever cover in one day, okay? So what I want to do is I want to point out three things that I think should change the way that we look at our prayer lives that should at least grow us. And maybe some of you have good prayer lives. I hope that you do. I know that some of you do. But I hope that others in us, it would say, oh, it would awaken us to new ideas and new ways of thinking of how we are to approach God and how we are to think about how he is to approach us. Okay, so the first thing I want to look at is the construction of the, the altar of incense, the construction of it. It says, you shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Now, acacia wood... Everybody looks for spiritual significance in acacia wood, and you could make some application here, but it would kind of be reading into the text, but there are two things at least, well, three things at least that are true about acacia wood. Number one, it's very uh, available in that region. It's one of actually the only kinds of trees that's made that is any good for this. Number two, it's hard as a rock, and it lasts for a long time, which would be number three. So it perseveres, it's hard, and it's available. You see, Jesus Christ made himself available. He's the only one that can stand the test of time. So this is made of acacia wood, which was popular. And every other piece of furniture that was made of wood was made of acacia wood too. But after that, it was overlaid with gold. So it had to be covered in this pure gold, the same type of gold that was beat out for the lampstand. So it was made of acacia wood and it was made of gold. It said, It's horns shall be of one piece with it. you shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its size and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it, and you shall make two golden rings for it under its molding on two opposite sides of it. You shall make them, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make them the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. So we see the materials of the altar of incense made from acacia wood, which is available, very very strong and very durable. And then we see that it was overlaid with pure gold. So you see that, that, it, that whatever went into making these things, it must be able to stand the test. Of time, and it must be pure. You see, you cannot come before God with a weak and feeble heart and with a broken spirit that cannot be uh, upheld. It cannot last. Now you say, Well, I thought that the Bible said that a broken and contrite spirit is what I desired. Can both be true? See, we understand the answer to be yes because what do we know? See, we've got to get this idea out of our head that we must be perfect in the fleshly things of this life. You see the the bottom line is that we talked last week that perfection is required when entering the presence of God. But every one of us know that we're not perfect. So what then must we do? We must be born into a family and covered over with the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. We must have the righteousness of Jesus Christ imparted to us. You see, the materials of this, this, it does not speak of your spirit. It speaks of that of Jesus Christ who goes before you continually. We must be born of the family of God and covered over with the pure gold of his sacrifice. Jesus Christ is made a way for you to come to him, which is point number one, is that God gives specific instructions on how to come to him in prayer. There is a specific way that we are to come to God. You see, the instructions were in the design. It was to be a cubit wide and a cubit uh, long. And that's one and a half feet. And it was to be two cubits high, so it was about three foot high. So God gives all of these instructions on how to come. You've got to understand that not just anybody can come. Because without the gold and without this, without this wood, without this, without this perfect spirit coming before the Lord, he cannot hear those prayers. I've often been asked the question, does God hear the prayers of the unsaved? What do you think? Does God hear the prayers of the unsaved? Let's read some Scripture. John chapter 9, verse 32, he may pop it up on the screen, if not, I'll just read it. John chapter 9, verse 32, verse 31, I'm sorry, says this. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. let's turn over to 1st Peter chapter 3 Peter chapter 3 listen to God's word verse 12 for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil This should simultaneously create terror and peace in you. Because if you do not have a relationship with the one true God, if you're not born into this family, you are like the outsider who comes to the daddy at the door and says, can I, can I, can I? And the daddy says, I don't know you, you don't have that type of relationship with me, you can't come before me, but if I hear my son outside the house, in the yard, crying out for daddy like something's wrong, I'm ripping the door open, I'm running out the door. God does not listen to the prayers of those that are not part of his family. Now, can God hear? Obviously, God is omniscient. He knows everything. It comes back to the relationship. It comes back to the relationship. My sons speak to me differently, and I react differently because they're my sons. You see, you must come in a certain way, and you must come through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's about this idea of adoption. That we're born in the family of God, and when we are born in the family of God, we speak differently to God. I've had people talk to me, and we talked about this recently in our 530 group and some other places. Is that I hear men say, I hear people say, I just don't know how to talk to God. I just don't know how to talk to God. Maybe you're thinking too hard. My sons never sit down and write out a letter on how to speak to me. My son has never come up to me and said, Dear Brandon now is it wrong to do that no I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong to do that you know that's fine but what I'm telling you is it's not as hard as we make it out to be God just wants to talk to you not just anyone can come before the before the Lord not just anyone can come before God in prayer that's tough doctrine isn't it and I just read that out of the Bible if you got a problem with that you it's here No, I didn't that's not my word okay so if you don't know God, then you should be very afraid. And then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. You say, am I part of the family? Maybe you need to be born again today so that God would hear your prayers and that he would be moved. You see, only those who come correctly can be heard. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Listen to those verses. If you got them put up there, Terry, you can go ahead and put those up now. John chapter 14. We've got this idea started here about the name, the name, the name, which is amazing to me. And, you know, I always... When I, when I lead my kids to pray and, and when I talk to my kids about praying, uh, I, I always tell them, make sure at the end you say, in the name of Jesus. Because you see, all throughout the scriptures it says, anything that you pray in my name, anything that you pray in my name. So I'm always quick to lead my kids to say, in the name of Jesus. But this has started to tw- twist me deeper and, 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 and screw me in a little bit more on the idea of what that actually means. Because an unbeliever could just as easily come and say, God, if there is a God, God. You know, you ever heard this like on a movie or something? Somebody would start praying. It's like, dear God, I, I hope that you would, you know, if you're up there, you know. I, see, this, these are not the prayers of a son or a daughter. These are prayers of an outsider saying, I'm not sure if you're home. <try> Anybody? Well, if you're in there, listen. I could really... You see the difference there. It's in the relationship. And when I started reading about in the name, and I started going a little bit deeper on in the name, I started reading verses like this. Listen to uh, John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Listen to what it says. We're going to start in 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Now, you know, however long this takes, I, I, I need to get this one across. Is because this hit me like a pile of bricks. Because what does it mean to do it in Jesus' name? What does it mean to do it in Jesus' name? How many of you know that you are not to take God's name in vain? How many of you think that that just means saying the word GD? How many of you think that means just saying Jesus and shouldn't? You know, those may be taking God's name in vain. But that's not what that really means. It means that you are taking his name onto yourself as a banner illegitimately. It would be like my son uh, going and telling somebody else that his name was another last name so that he could get something. He's not really part of the family, but he's acting like he is. They went out from us, but they were not of us. What family do you belong to? And when God talks to us about coming to him in my name, what he means is not that we should come and say, in Jesus' name I declare this. No, 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 no. It means that your name has been changed, and you now, you carry the name of Jesus, not because you wrote it and are carrying it on a flag, but because you've been born into a new family. You see, Ethan's name is no longer what it was. Ethan's name is Flynn. He is a part of that family. It cannot be changed. It cannot be undone. They have brought him in. He comes in Flynn's name. Now, I didn't plan on using that, but that was pretty good, wasn't it? He comes in the name of Flynn. And he carries different weight now at that house. Does it start to sink in? When you come and you say in the name of Christ, it doesn't mean that you just spit out a name. It means that you carry that name now. That you approach the throne differently. When you knock on the door, if I lock my my door and my kids can't get in, they come knocking on the door and they get ticked off. They do. They get mad. Why do they get mad? It's their house. They got a right to be in. If I come to the door and I say, who is it? They're like, you know who it is. (laughs) Open the door. You know what I'm saying? They don't say, it's it's Titus, sir. (laughs) Go away, we don't want any. (laughs) No, he's beating on the door. Let me in. My name is the same as yours. Let me in. You see, if you know Christ and you've been born into the family, have you been born into the family, guys? And if you have been born into the family, you don't necessarily have to come and, dear God. No, we come and we say, Daddy, look, man, i got this need. And he's going to think about it. See, I don't answer every prayer, every, and, and really prayer is just a communication. When my sons come to me, they're really kind of praying to me because what they do is, and, and I don't want sound, that to sound egotistical, it's just prayer is just a communication. So when, when, when my kids come to me and they have this communication with me, and they ask me a question or they say something, I don't necessarily just jump and say, yes, sir. No. I'm going to do it according to my will because I'm the smartest one in the house, at least when they're involved. My, my wife's out of town right now. <laughs> so I'm going to do it according to my will because my seven-year-old is, he's a seven-year-old. If he asks to, to play with the pistol or to play with the knife, I'm like, no, because I love you. I'm not going to let you cut yourself. You know, I, I can't, I'm not going to do that. But if it's according to my will, if I think it's going to build you up and it's going to keep the house in the name, then okay, you can have that. See, it's, it's in the name. Do you carry the name? And I, you know, I could go into that a little bit further. One, one of the places. Just write this down. I don't have time to go there. Matthew chapter seven. Write this down. You go and, and I'll give you the little gist of it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. That's where Jesus is talking about, look, you know, even fathers give, give good gifts. You know, why would your father in heaven, if you ask him, you know, if, 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 a, guy, if a guy asks his dad for a fish to eat, he's not going to give him a snake. You know, here you go. <laughs> you know, why would your father in heaven be any different? It's the name. It's the name. Are you a child of God. Let's go to the second point here. Number two, God places prayer in the center. It cannot be bypassed. So we just looked at the construction and and the fact that God makes it uh, available in a certain way. He builds it a certain way. He creates it a certain way. You can come a certain way and that way is through Christ and the family of God. You're adopted in as sons and that changes everything. It changes everything. It changes how God hears you. It changes how God reacts to you. It changes how you react to God. There's a certain way to come before God. You understand that first and foremost on the altar of incense it was built a certain way you can't come any other way those of you in here who are on the fence of whether or not you believe in God please know that God is not hearing you and I was about to say I don't say that to scare you but I do I do because you are going to waste away and you are talking to the air I don't know how else to say it your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling first prayer that God asks, hears from you is when you hit your face and you cry out Jesus that's rebirth the second is that God places prayer in the center it cannot be bypassed and still come into his presence see God places prayer in the center And it cannot be bypassed. We see that here. It says, And you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You see this this lamp uh, I 'm sorry this, this altar of incense is placed in a certain place here. it is placed right in front of the veil if you're coming into it if you're, if we are walking into it and we 're walking this way we, we come up to the, the brazen altar okay where the sacrifice is made we keep walking we come to the bronze laver where uh, we are washed clean we pull back the curtain and we walk into the holy place and in the holy place there are three pieces of furniture on the left hand side there's the golden lampstand right in front of us in the center is the altar of incense and on the right is the bread of the presence. You see you cannot get to the And on down now is the most holy place where the presence of God is and the testimony or the Ark of the Covenant. So we must go straight through the altar of incense. My point here is that you cannot come to God. You cannot enter into God's presence. You cannot have this this unique uh, relationship with him where you are just overwhelmed with his presence if you bypass prayer. Prayer to me has started to transform and I'm not anywhere near where I need to be in my prayer life. In my opinion, prayer is the most unused and unrespected uh, privilege that God deserves or grants his children. We have no idea of the power that is hanging on the tips of our lips. There was a study done, a while, I was looking at it a while back, and uh, it looked at the top uh, most successful, and I don't mean like biggest and baddest, I mean the most successful in ministry, mission, growing churches that exist in America. All types of different leaders, all types of different pastors, all types of different setups and church government, church bodies, only one, only one single Similarity across the board. What was it? Prayer. Every leader of those churches that were the most growing and fastest growing churches in every field, not just numbers, spent at least two hours a day in prayer. Now the Bible says to pray without ceasing. It says to pray continuously. You see, it is God's will for us to continually pray and seek him. Pop up 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore, me, cherry. It says, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, be at peace. That's not, that's not it. Go to the next one. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, Encourage the, that's not it either. <laughs> you're getting me. you messing with me. Or did I put the wrong verse up? That's not it. I might have wrote you the wrong scripture down, brother. I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen, fifteen 15 and 16. I'm sorry, 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do, the very next sentence, do not quench the spirit. You see, my wife is out of town right now. So what I did last night was I said, all right, guys, mommy's out of town. We got the whole bed to ourselves. And so I got, well, not Asher. He still sleeps in his crib. So he was upstairs, and I put him down early. And me and the other two, we went and climbed up in the king-size bed, and they're all over me, and I'm all, we're wrestling, and, you know, I'm slamming, them. boom, you know, feeling like a boss, you know, because they can't take me. And so uh, we're wrestling, we're playing, and then there comes a time in, in, in our fun, you know, that we're having where I just, I'm get tired, and I'll just crash out on the pillow, and Ezekiel just crawls up on this side and we just talk. And you know what we're doing when we're talking? We are igniting the relationship. We're not quenching the spirit or the relationship. We're igniting. How can you expect to grow in your relationship with God if you're always pouring water on it? How can you expect the fire of the lamp to be blazing when instead of pouring in the Holy Spirit, you're pouring water on it? How do we pour water on it? We walk away. We don't talk. We don't spend time. We don't, we don't seek Him. We don't love Him. We don't get in the world. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. And then we wonder why. You know, we don't ever come into the house and we wonder why we're cold. And God is always coming to you and saying, look, let's get together. Let's talk. Let's get together. Let's talk. Let's get together. Let's talk. But we continue to say, no, no, no. He wants to hear you. He wants to move inside of you, but we continually quench the Spirit because we won't get on our face. And this goes for believers. This just goes for believers because he doesn't even hear non-believers. So believers, if you're a true believer, then that means you've been born again. You're a part of the family. You have the right to come in out of the cold, but you stand outside. And I stand outside. Jesus said that anyone that comes to me, any, any anyone, I'm not going to cast them out. We turn away. You see, God places center prayer at the center, and I and I'm not going to spend a lot more time there. But I just want you to know that without prayer, do not expect your relationship with God to grow. Don't expect it to grow. And on that note, and we're going to move to the next one, is this, is that it's not as complicated as you make, as you think it is. God does not require, as a matter of fact, I'm not even sure he likes formal prayer. You know, you've heard the stories in the, in the, in the scriptures, and I can't, I don't have time to go and read them all, but you heard, don't be like the Pharisee who stands on the corner and says, Dear Lord, thank you that I'm not like this sinner. God, and it also says that you think that you're heard for your many words, but it's not so. You don't have to come with, with lofty speech and you don't have to stand like this with a cape flapping in the wind to be heard by God. No. As a matter of fact, you look kind of stupid, don't I? Do I look stupid? That's mean. God desires, and you know, while ago, I want to come back to this because it could be misunderstood. I said that uh, that you can't come before God with a broken spirit and one that won't last. What I mean is you can't come into God's presence the first time on that because you must have this perfect sacrifice, this spirit that cannot be overtaken. You know, that's what Jesus was. Jesus went through hell so that you could get to heaven. And because his spirit was perfect, hell could not hold him. Death could not hold him because it had nothing to grip to. So he rose from the dead because his spirit was perfect, because his obedience was perfect, because he was lasting. He rose from the dead, and now he offers that spirit to us. And so we need that spirit in order to present ourselves to God as, un, as, as unbroken, as, as perfection, as a spirit that is one with his spirit. Now our spirit, as it becomes one with that spirit, is continually, remember this is the already not yet part of it. Are you guys still with me? This is yes, this is no. We need Jesus Christ to come before God. But once we are born into that family, we are covered over with his righteousness. And now his righteousness starts to mesh with us, and we are continually being made new until one day we are fully adopted as sons. And I wasn't planning on this, but I just want to read you that real quick because one day you need to understand that you are being made new. But one day, you don't have this one, Terry. I see you scrolling. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says that we will be perfected one day. I want you to listen to this. This is one of some of the most glorious scriptures I've ever read. Listen to this. It's it's a lot. Go and read uh, chapter 8 because it's, it's amazing. But there's one part in here I just want you to see real quick. Hold on to this. Okay, it says here. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. You see, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We are in, we have the imparted righteousness of God. We've been born again, and the Spirit lives inside of us. But it's only the first fruits. There's actually more to come. You see, heaven is not something that's just out there. Now, heaven and perfection is out there, and it will be attained one day if you know Jesus Christ. But it is already broken into this reality. It is already broken into our lives. If you've been born again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you have received a perfect spirit that has imparted righteousness to you now when God looks at you he doesn't see your sinfulness but he sees the righteousness of Christ but hold on but wait there's more you see there is a time coming there is a time coming where he will take out all of your imperfections and he will take out all of your tendencies for evil and the temptation that is that is after you and he will make you perfect and make you new and make you whole listen to this Uh, And not only the creation groans and longs, but but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in the hope we were saved. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees. Basically what he's saying is, is that, you can hope, you can know that your adoption will be completed one day. Shannon, I, I bet this is just resonating with you because, see, they started the adoption process and they knew. They knew that they would never walk out on this child unless something happened and they couldn't, they wouldn't turn him back. But it was only the beginning of the process and they were longing. I guarantee you God is longing for the day that we are one. I know that he is. I hope that you are longing for that day. And if we long for that day, what do we do? We pursue that day and we look for Christ and we're sanctified and we're moving toward him and the Holy Spirit is filling us up and we're not quenching him. We're not telling him no. We're telling him yes, yes, more. I need more time in my Bible. I mean, I need more time on my knees. I wanna talk to you, Daddy. I wanna spend time with you, Daddy. I wanna see you. I wanna love you. I wanna be in your arms. I wanna be in your embrace. I wanna know you. But those who are non-believers, they just come to say, hey, can you, you think you could do this for me and that for me? Okay, thanks, bye. Are you a child of God? Or do you just acknowledge that there is a God that might could help you? He goes on to say, there, I, I, I could have spent time there. There's so much more. We may continue this next week. I just want to, I think we will continue this next week because I want you to see how Jesus prays for you. You see, we're to pray for God, but the, the altar of incense doesn't just uh, symbolize and, and, and represent the prayers of the saints going up. As a matter of fact, who was it in the place sending up the incense? Who was it? It was a high priest. And you can go ahead and read a little bit of a insight in the next week. I think I'm going to do John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, prayer, where Jesus Christ lifts you up. He's not against you, He's not looking to devour you or to hurt you or to mislead you. He wants you to be full and perfect and complete. That's why He died on the cross. And he is looking to to grant you joy that is unspeakable. John chapter 10, the abundant life. And the last thing is, just to touch on is this. God only hears our prayers and is moved because he heard his prayer and was moved. Now, this is the gospel. And we've shared the gospel several times actually already in this sermon because you must be covered in the blood to come into the holy place in order to even light an incense. God does not accept prayers of those who are not covered in the blood. I'm not, I'm not beating you in the face of the Bible. I'm pleading with you to be heard. I'm pleading with you to become part of the family because otherwise you have No hope. This all started as Jesus Christ was the one offering up those prayers. And he was the one that was pleading with God. Just like Moses pleaded for the people. You see, Moses was a type of Christ. And as he pleaded for the people, God heard his prayer. And he... He turned away the wrath from the people. Only because Jesus Christ, dying and being crucified on the cross... Cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or did he say in the same breath, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You've got a high priest in Jesus Christ that is seated at the right hand of the Father and is continually interceding for the saints, continually interceding for the people that he longs to see. He longs for you to be a part of his family. He longs for you to come jump up in his lap. You see, it's not that difficult. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. I want to challenge each one of you, and I've challenged myself. These past couple of weeks, God's been challenging me, and, and I've, been, I've been dealing with my own uh, lackings and my own struggles that I have. And I have so much going on in my life. I'm not even going to start talking about it because I know all of you do too. But I've committed to try my best. And I want to start, you know, I, I pray, but I want to start setting aside a time just for prayer. And I do that somewhat now, but not like I do my Bible. Not like I do eating food. What is more important? To eat food and keep this body alive? Or to seek Him and feed on the bread of the presence and keep this body alive? So I've committed, I want to, from here on out, I want to start, I want to give the Lord an hour a day just in, just in prayer just in prayer and you say that's crazy well, I just need to get crazy you guys want to come on out and start playing this is the everybody stand to your feet I want to I encourage you I want to I encourage you that God longs to hear from you That God is continually praying for you and the relationship that you have with him. And he seeks to sit with you and to talk with you. He's got power that is available that we have not tapped into, that we have not began to touch. And he is saying, just come. How many of you are part of the family and you have the right? The book of Hebrews tells us that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence because we have been given a new name. If you're a child of God here today, I want you to be praying because God hears you for those that are not children of the Lord. I pray that if you're not a child of God that you would come running this morning and have your prayers heard for the first time. As a matter of fact, before we even open, open this altar, I wanna ask, is there any here that would like to take the name of Christ? for the first time or for the real time. You know whether or not you're playing games. You know whether or not you've you've said a couple of words before, but you've never been real. You know whether or not you just come to God with these formal little prayers, but you don't just fall into his arms. You know whether or not you have a real relationship, what is it that is keeping you from surrendering everything to him and becoming part of the family. What is it? I know that not everyone in this room is a born-again child of God, and he is the first love of your life. There are some of you in here who are not. Why do you hold on? Is it questions? Is it doubts? What is it? Lay it down i am pleading with you lay it down and come and bow at the altar come and let's talk together come let us reason together come and see come and see would you come today is there any here that would say brandon i don't think that i've ever truly been saved i've talked to god and i've talked to god but my prayers hit the ceiling all the time and and finally today i realize why it's because i'm not part of the family i'm not talking to daddy i'm talking to dear god Have you been born again? Have you you received a spirit of adoption as that sons by which you cry out, Papa? Is there any here that would come today? Lay down your embarrassment, lay down your ego, lay down your pride. Is there any that would come today? I'm here for you. Any here that would want to be saved today? I'm not going to prolong this. We're going to open the altar. All of you are good all of you know God beyond a shadow of a doubt and as part of your family you're born again then the altar is open for you children of God to come and talk to dad about whatever's been going on to come and talk and seek his face because there's some struggles that you're having in your life and he's not turned a deaf ear but he's He's got his ears open wide. And he's here for you. Come, let us talk to our great God and Savior.